You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for the Peak Church, located in Apex, North Carolina. Our church is striving to welcome all who are feeling disconnected from God. And so our hope is that over the next several minutes, you will connect with the God that we are talking about, and you'll resonate deeply with the life that this God wants for you. We hope you enjoy. Our scripture verse is from the book of Luke, chapter 7, verses 36 through 40 and 44 through 50. One of the Pharisees invited Jesus to eat with him. After he entered the Pharisee's home, he took his place at the table. Meanwhile, a woman from the city, a sinner, discovered that Jesus was dining in the Pharisee's house. She brought perfumed oil in a vase made of alabaster. Standing behind him at his feet and crying, she began to wet his feet with her tears. She wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured oil on them. When the Pharisee, who had invited Jesus, saw what was happening, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. He would know that she is a sinner. Jesus replied, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, speak, he said. Jesus turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? When I entered your home, you didn't give me water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but she has poured perfumed oil on my feet. This is why I tell you that her many sins have forgiven. So she has shown great love. The one who is forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other table guests began to say among themselves, who is this person that he even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. underwater versus when you're looking at them on land. I'm already seeing a head nod. Great. I got my physics degree from the University of Google, so glad to know my story is being corroborated. Light actually bends differently through water than it does through the air. So if you've ever put a straw in a glass of water and seen it do this, where it looks kind of broken, kind of disconnected when it crosses this air-to-water line, you're seeing this property in action. And you can see that the straw is not only kind of offset based on the way the light is bending in the water, but it also looks bigger where it's in the water versus the part that is just in the air. The way that light bends in water actually makes things look about 33% bigger than they actually are. So if you're ever in the ocean or in a river and you see a fish below the surface, that fish is going to look closer to the surface and bigger than it actually is. But not only do the fish look 
closer to the surface and bigger, they also look farther away. Your eye is anticipating that the light is going the same way through the water as it is through the air, so it looks like it's over there, but the fish is actually right here. So when people go spearfishing, they actually have to aim, like, not towards the fish in their minds, right? They have to aim closer to themselves than where it looks like the fish is. Water changes the way that we see. Now, water plays an interesting role in our scripture passage today. At first glance, you probably did not even notice the water at all. You maybe noticed this gender dynamic between a woman and a man. You maybe noticed the power imbalance between a Pharisee versus a woman who's not even named, who's called a sinner. Maybe you noticed how snarky Jesus is in this passage. But water is going to be our guiding image as we read this scripture today. So let's dive in. This scripture today came came to us from Luke chapter 7. So this is very early in Jesus' ministry. He was baptized in chapter 3, tried in the wilderness in chapter 4. And since then, he has chosen his disciples. He's called his apostles. Even though it is early in his ministry, Jesus has already marked himself as a bit of a troublemaker. He has already healed people at this point, even resurrected a widow's son. But he has also already broken some Sabbath laws and eaten with tax collectors and sinners. From the very beginning, Jesus was inverting our expectations and siding with the lowly. His work may have just begun, but his brand was already very well developed. So it shouldn't be as surprising as it is that this dinner party shakes out the way it does. But Simon the Pharisee is shocked nonetheless. Now, on the one hand, can we really blame him? I mean, he prepared a dinner to host the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything was perfect. The table was set with the finest china. The fragrance of the night was a perfectly cooked meal. And the host with the most was ready to have Jesus in his home. But in barges this woman whose reputation precedes her. Everybody in town thinks they know something about her. She's that woman you heard those rumors about, that man you crossed the street to avoid, that person you hope Jesus never forgives for what they did. She's the one you think so little of, you don't even know her name. Simon certainly did not invite her to this banquet. But he's trying not to make a scene, or at least trying not to make a bigger scene than she's already making. So he allows this jar of oil to be cracked open, shards of alabaster littering his freshly swept floor. He allows her sobs, thinking them loud enough to drown out his judgmental inner monologue. But when she touches Jesus, oh, no, 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 that is the last straw. Washing his feet with her tears, drying them with her hair, kissing him, anointing him with oil, not in my house. You see, Simon is a Pharisee. If there's anything Pharisees do best, it's law and order, upholding social norms, policing how people should and should not act based on their social status. Pharisees are experts at deciding who's in and who's out, who's worthy and who's unworthy. Pharisees are experts at judgment. At least, 
they think they are. While Simon judges this woman for her sins, he also judges Jesus for not knowing that she's a sinner. In that moment, Simon thinks he knows more than God. If this man were really a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him, that she is a sinner. Simon's judgment of this woman's devotion to Jesus shows just how little space he's actually made in his heart for Jesus, despite the space he's making in his home. Simon thinks he knows more than God. He thinks he sees this woman for who she really is. But Simon sees her through the air. Jesus sees her through water. The water of baptism. When Jesus looks at this woman, the first thing he sees is not sinner. The first thing he sees is faithful, hospitable, welcoming, courageous, bold, brave. Through the waters of baptism, Jesus sees not the mistakes of her past, but the holiness of her present. Simon didn't even offer the bare minimum hospitality that was expected of hosting someone. Nothing to wash his feet with, no greeting or anointing. Yet this woman put her own body on the line to praise God. When Jesus looks at her, he doesn't remember her sins. He remembers her baptism. She is his daughter, his beloved. With her, Jesus is well pleased. Water changes the way we see. As the woman cries, the holy water of her tears magnifies the Lord. With her vision blurred by the tears welled up in her eyes, Jesus Christ looks bigger and closer to her than ever. As she uses those tears to wet his feet, I can't help but think that Jesus remembers his own baptism too. Water changes the way we see. It changes the way we see ourselves. It changes the way we see others. And it even changes the way we see God. The water of baptism changes the way we see ourselves. Because the water of baptism washes us clean, we're no longer prisoners of our past. We are not what we have done or what we have been. No matter how far we strayed, no matter how many times we fumbled the bag of faith, the waters of baptism still cover us. They still wash us clean. And when Jesus looks at us through the waters of baptism, he doesn't see our sins. He sees that we are forgiven. The waters of baptism change the way we see, and they change the way we see ourselves. If this promise is true, if this is true that Jesus sees us as good, as beloved, as cleansed of our sin, then why don't we live like that's true? What would it take for us to really believe that about ourselves, to look in the mirror, to look at a photo of ourselves and not see all our imperfections, not see all the things we don't like about ourselves or that we would change about ourselves, but see that God calls us good. God calls us beloved. God has said, I am yours and you are mine. 
As we prepare today to approach the waters of baptism, what is it that you need to put down? What Simons are in your ear, are in your head, telling you that you're not enough, that you're not smart enough, you're not funny enough, you're not pretty enough, you don't have enough money, you don't have the right job, your family structure doesn't look the right way, you don't vacation in the right places, you don't own your vacation home. What Simons in this world are filling your head with these lies that you are not good enough, that you have to earn God's love, that you have to be better, do better, have more, be more. The waters of baptism are rushing over you even now, drowning out that noise. Simon was not the first, and he certainly will not be the last religious person to think he knows more than God, to think that he knows who you really are. But the Simons of the world do not have the last word. God does. God has the first word and the last word over your life. And that word is beloved, is chosen, is mine. The waters of baptism change the way we see ourselves. And there are certainly times in our lives when we have been like this woman, unfairly judged by someone who thinks they know more than God. But there are also times in our lives where we've been more like Simon, turning our noses up at people just so we can look down on them. This temptation to judge, this temptation to categorize people, to decide who they are, part of that is just being human. Our brains are hardwired to make snap decisions, to decide if something is good or bad, safe or unsafe. Part of it is how we are hardwired as people. But part of it also comes from our own insecurity, right? The best defense is a good offense. So if I'm feeling insecure about something that I know is not right about me, then maybe I'll just point it out on somebody else, and then the attention won't be on me, and everybody will think it about them, and they won't be thinking about me, and then I'll be safe. But that's not how that works. Sometimes we are tempted to judge others, to point out the imperfections of others, to think that people are what they have been or have done because we're afraid to admit the ways we have also fallen short of the glory of God. There's this quote that I love that says, your first thought is what you are taught. It's how you were raised. But your second thought is who you really are. Your first thought is where you're going to see those snap judgments. You're going to see your brain's wiring do its thing of making decisions about people even before you really know them. Your first thought is where your biases, the things you've been raised to believe, are going to come out. But your second thought is when you decide who you're going to be. Your second thought is when you decide if you're going to double down on that judgment or if you're going to take a step back and go, wait a minute, that doesn't sound very loving, that doesn't sound very holy, that doesn't sound like something that Jesus would see in that person or say about that person. Your first thought is what you were taught. Your second thought is who you are. And I pray that your second thought would always be filtered through the waters of baptism. That you would be full of grace and mercy, patience, slow to get angry, quick to forgive. 
Let the waters of baptism remind you not only of your own baptism, but of everybody else's. The good news of baptism that God does not remember our sins, but remembers our baptism applies to us and everybody else. When we look through the waters of baptism, we see ourselves differently and we see other people differently. We see other people not as sinner, but as beloved, as forgiven, as chosen, as God's own child that God loves, part of our family as Christians. There's a reason why we do baptisms in church, in worship. There's a reason why they happen in community. Because baptism is for the whole congregation. When one person is baptized, we are all reminded again of the same grace we have also received from God. And so, when we look at others through the waters of baptism, we are reminded of the same grace God extends to them. The same grace that God extends to us. May we be gracious with others as God is gracious with us. Water changes the way we see. It changes the way we see ourselves. It changes the way we see others. And it also changes the way we see God. The waters of baptism remind us that we don't earn God's love by our impressive achievements. We don't win Jesus' approval by praying the right prayers or reading the Bible in a year or never missing a Sunday at church. We don't win the Spirit's blessing by our own piety, our own goodness. The waters of baptism are always surrounding us. The Holy Spirit is always surrounding us, reminding us that we are good, reminding us that we are loved, leading us and guiding us into the path that leads to life. The waters of baptism are like a shield of protection around us from the Simons of the world who dare say that we are anything other than God's beloved. Did you notice how Jesus responds to Simon in this passage? Simon hasn't even said out loud. He's like thought to himself, if this man were really a prophet, he would know what kind of woman this is, that she's a sinner. And Jesus turns to the woman and says to Simon, do you see this woman? He won't even make eye contact with Simon. He puts his body in the way. He says, absolutely not. When I look at her, I see forgiveness. When I look at her, I see love. How dare you insinuate anything other than that about her? We worship a God who is not only seeking after us, always welcoming us back into relationship, welcoming us back into the family of God, but we worship a God who will advocate for us. Jesus Christ stands up for us. Jesus Christ makes an appeal on our behalf that says, no, because of me, they are not their worst moments. They are their best the best in us is God in us. And that is the truth we proclaim with the waters of baptism. They wash us clean of our sins. They change the way we see ourselves. They change the way we see God. 
We remember today and every day that God loves us no matter what. No matter what, God is seeking you. God is welcoming you. God is giving you a clean slate. God's mercies are new every morning. Every morning, God says, you are chosen, you are beloved, you are mine. Water changes the way we see. The baptismal waters remind us of this promise. No matter how long ago we were baptized, maybe you don't even remember when you were baptized, The baptismal waters remind us that this promise is true no matter how far you feel from God, no matter how far you've strayed, or no matter how much you feel like God is the one who is distant. If you're feeling far from that promise of baptism today, may this water remind you who you are. What God says about you will always be the first and last word over your life. What the world says about who you are, who you have been, what you have done is not what God sees when God looks at you through the waters of baptism. You are who God says you are. Let this water today magnify God's presence in your life. Let it remind you that God is closer than God sometimes appears. Let it change the way that you see yourself, the way you see others, the way you see the whole world. May these waters remind you that you are beloved no matter what. Thank you for listening to The Peak Podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever podcasts can be found. For more information on how to get connected with our church, please visit us at thepeakchurch.org.